Hello and welcome to the new episode of the Sunny Point Investing Podcast. Uh, so a couple weeks back, I did an episode on how to invest in China, where I talked about uh, introducing you to the Chinese tech market, on what the internet landscape and the tech landscape on a whole looks like, some of the factors affecting investing in China right now, and where the themes are going, and what are the top companies, and including what I'm investing in. And the top three companies we talked about the bad companies, which was um, Baidu, Alibaba, and Tencent. This podcast is going into a little bit of detail, not too much, but a little bit of detail into the earnings that they uh, two of these three companies reported in the last couple weeks. So Alibaba and Tencent, both of them reported earnings last uh, in the last couple weeks, and market has been trying to digest it in different ways. And this episode is to go into a little bit deeper and tell you how I think how they're doing according to the new reports and what I'm doing with the stocks right now. So in the first part of this episode, we will cover Alibaba, and the second part we'll cover Tencent, and the final part we'll just summarize where we are on both of them. Um, so let's start with Alibaba. So the results were reported on August the 23rd. Tencent results were reported August the 15th. So we're going in the reverse chronological order of the earnings release. Uh, Alibaba, when I guess uh, they released the earnings. They were in around 170. The stock of Alibaba was about 177, 178. Um, in the aftermarket, as soon as the earnings was released in the in the pre-market, sorry, uh, the stock went up to 183, 184. It was like about six, seven bucks up. Along the day, as the day went, it eventually fell down to like 173, and now it's kind of hovering in the mid 170s. So. If you look at the stock price move, it's been kind of a nothing slash negative uh, earnings report. But this whole um, segment of the episode, the aim of that is to figure out exactly how it was and was it how the market perceived it as. So let's look at the earnings report. Uh, we would start with the with the sales numbers. The revenue growth was 61% year on year, which was exactly, almost exactly that was predicted. Uh, a little bit slight less, but almost there. And maybe people are looking too much at like it's slight miss, but then what I'm saying is there were much more fears in terms of Chinese slowdown, macro slowdown, there were fears that the uh, tariffs, the tr- trade war talks have hit the Chinese consumer. The Chinese consumer has slowed down. Maybe the economy has slowed down more than it looks. And, you know, as they say, like, the Chinese government, like, controls the data on how the GDP is doing and stuff. Actual read would be these companies who are um, private companies and who are reporting numbers. And if they say, like, the amount of um, orders are going down or people are shopping less, that would mean a better tale on the economy slowing down. But what I'm saying is that is not what we saw here. Um, no signs yet on that uh, front. But at the same time, it's not only existing customers. Alibaba on its giant scale is still growing um, and growing very fast. So for example, now the monthly active users in China uh, on Alibaba's platform 
grew to 634 million, which was just 617 million in last quarter. So they're still adding at breakneck place. Like um, they've added three percentage, which is like 17 million in the last three months. And these might be on the international, so it might include people from outside China, but still. And the annual active buyers grew 24 million year on year to 576 million. So they've literally got uh, the whole internet population in China covered almost. So the latest estimates were that 772 million people in China are uh, connected on the internet and they have almost 634. Some of that might be international, but most of them would be in China. So they're catching up as soon as like uh, the new people are coming on the board um, to the internet connectivity. They're pouncing on them. They also mentioned on the call that most of the people that are added are in the tier two, tier three cities. So I think they're also connecting more and more people who is coming to the Internet. They're also getting them into um, they're maintaining their market share in terms of reaching out to them and capturing them as new active buyers on Alibaba's platform. So if you look at the revenue breakdown, the core commerce grew 61 percent. almost as the total number. Cloud computing now grew 93%. Uh, It has been growing at the clip of 100%, uh, mid-90s percent for a long time now. And over time, at this growth rate, it would be becoming increasingly larger part of the whole story of Alibaba. Uh, Media and entertainment grew 46%. This has been a little bit slow in the past. Uh, This, again, accelerated. And then innovation initiatives and others, which they classify as a bunch of other investments, grew 64 So overall, 61% growth matching the estimates. Cloud continuing to double almost year on year. Uh, MAUs and active customers continuing to grow. What was wrong was profitability. As in, when I say what was wrong, what people did not like, what investors did not like was profitability. And we'll talk about that a bit. So nothing wrong that I see on the revenue front. Uh, In fact, pretty encouraging signs in the media front, which has Yuku for example, which is kind of a YouTube version in China, and they covered uh, the FIFA World Cup, they covered a lot of games, and that viewership helped the overall active users as well as revenue, um, even though they had increasing spend as well. So the revenues on a whole grew better as a mix, and... um, now let's get to the profitability, the thing that people did not really like that much. So if you look at EBITDA, which is earnings before tax and um, amortization and depreciation. So EBITDA increased uh, 22% on a whole year to year versus revenue increase of 61%. So there you go. Uh, there's a lot of compression in the margin. We talk about the story of why margin are being compressed uh, primarily, like broadly categorizing. There have been two reasons. First, uh, all the divisions other than the core commerce are losing money right now. So cloud computing is losing money, digital media and entertainment, they're investing a lot of money and they're not really um, reaping the benefits as of now. And the other initiatives just just ramping uh, up the spending. So consolidated basis for the whole company that EBITDA grew 13% year on year. Um, the 22% I mentioned for the, was for the core commerce. So one reason that is affecting the bottom line growth is a lot of investment in all of the other areas, including cloud computing, and media and entertainment, and new um, divisions that they're starting up. So that is the one reason. Now, second reason is the slowdown in the bottom line growth in the core commerce, uh, the decrease in the margins in the core commerce. So as we talked about the um, EBITDA growth, now the EBITDA margin of the core commerce business is 47%. Last year, it was 62%. 
definitely looks like oh my godness like this is like one um fourth of the profitability is down like something is seriously wrong with the business but there is a story underneath it and the the company has been trying to explain this story for many quarters now so you're not really new if you're following this story to the to the effects that you see so what is happening so they actually go into pretty much detail to explain this one thing is their whole business model is changing initially what they used to do was um as you would have noted the margins of alibaba were usually so high um compared to amazon platform example um so the reason for that was that uh alibaba used to record revenues on the amount that it took from the transaction and not really uh based on the take rate and not really based on the amount of net total amount of goods sold so but now what they're doing is they're starting a new concept called new retail hema which we covered in the last to last episode which is truly revolutionary they're complying um they're complementing all different technologies that exist in retail setting and they're starting a new retail venture which call um which calls for the integration of a lot of technologies and uh which includes like an AR VR experience um frictionless checkout home delivery to goods you can go into the store check out the goods and before you're home the goods get to your home like that if you look at the things uh, maybe a different topic for a different episode but they're a really revolutionizing retail and so the the reason i say this is because in the new retail venture um on the model they recognize revenue on a gross basis which is the total amount of sales done and if they're not making much more money on that like on a net margin basis uh now the net margin goes further down because the sales are growing now faster than the um than the bottom line so the margin is decreasing but it's not because the same business is undergoing a mix which is unfavorable it is because the business on a whole is kind of changing they're moving from what they used to do as to act as a platform only to now re- new retail where they own the inventory and they record um on a gross basis of all the sales done and if you see uh, how they're consolidating all the efforts of le.me which we'll talk about l.me which is the food delivery network that they're building up and um the chownow network i hope i'm saying it right which they acquired lazada and the new retail all of this initiatives are actually changing the way they're doing the core commerce business so it has a lesser margin but what they're doing and saying is on absolute basis it's important to innovate and change the model and as we go to um as we move ahead this new retail would be the thing how retail would evolve and they want to live and evolve and actually establish how that works so that's what they're doing and that's why the bottom line is not as um appreciative and i think on a whole basis what we're saying now is that the way we look alibaba would have to be different would have to change a little so last couple of years whenever people looked at alibaba they used to compare like oh now it's at 25p forward oh it's like now 20p forward so that's cheap right um that's how people used to look at it and whenever you looked at the price to sales multiple alibaba used to be appearing very expensive because you looked at it and said that the margins were pretty high so it um, it deserved to be valued on the earnings and not the sales now there is a fundamental shift taking place now they're growing as a result of like for example gross recognition of revenues um like when you see such a large company growing at 60% revenues like where is the revenue coming from 
of course, they're growing a lot, but also a part of it is coming from the different way in their recognizing revenue in different new businesses. So now that would be a much faster revenue growing story and maybe a slower um, net profit growing story. So maybe there's a little setback. The setback that we see in the market right now and the stock price right now, I think it is because people who are used to valuing Alibaba the way you used to now feel like it's a little bit costly or expensive because you're basically seeing at a stock which um, is venturing into new businesses which are not unproven in terms of delivering bottom line growth, uh, profit growth. But the way I look at it is if you have to believe in them, um, you have a good reason to believe in them that over the point what they're doing through L.me, uh, they just put $3 billion with SoftBank, uh, SoftBank Fund into the L.me, which is building intra-city networks like in within the city to connect two places so that one thing can be delivered from one point to the other point really quickly. So they're starting off with the food delivery, but in the long run, what it looked like from the earnings call that I heard was their project, the project that they're doing, the problem that they're trying to solve is humongous. Like the problem they're trying to solve is to connect the whole city, uh, all the cities in the vast infrastructure in China to like connect different points intercity and intercity within minutes and once they do that they can really leverage this um, model to solve a lot of logistical issues and a lot of logistical problems so while they're not growing bottom line as fast they're doubling their cloud business they're increasing their uh, revenues in entertainment and other businesses and this is all after uh, investing so much in building technologies that could change the way uh, things are delivered, uh, how logistics work in various industries, including, who knows, like auto driving, um, autonomous driving, and um, ride hailing, or it could be many things that Alibaba could eventually uh, license this or use this infrastructure as a model for many other businesses. So... If you looked at it the way you looked at it before, it looks like a little bit expensive story now because the growth in bottom line is slowing down. But on a whole, I would go in terms of taking some time to shift the mindset and look at it as a much faster growing story on a sales basis. And it will take some time for these new initiatives to prove themselves to be bottom line efficient. Um, and of course, like markets are not really good at changing mindsets overnight. And the reason because of that is that many investors are there for a certain reason. And every time they have to change their reasoning, they have to explain their user base or investor base on why they're changing, which is a little bit difficult. So they change time, uh, they take time or they change their positions or they exist, uh, exit their positions. So that's why the stock is taking a little beating. But if you're in there for the long run, I guess you've got to stick with it. They're doing the wrong, uh, sorry, right things. And they're looking at the horizon much farther than we can see and as far as they're explaining again the bet is on whether they would like the the worst cases they would not figure these new things out these new things would never be profitable they would exit all of these businesses all the investment would not be worth anything they would not have any returns on them and that core business will continue back and come back to their um, declining margin by normal growth rate and that's the that's the bad case but the good case is if it all works out like it has been, it's a very efficient management team. Um, uh, if you would listen to, like, the CFO and the CEO, they're, like, very passionate and they're very smart people. And we followed them for long under the leadership of Jack Ma. Uh, Maggie Wu, the CFO, explained the food delivery business as something that we have to have and we cannot miss it. And they're ahead in the game. 
they're the first in the game, like not literally the first, but the way they're doing it is the first. And um, hopefully, if you were optimistic and you believe in the team, I think they'll win. And I'll continue to own the stock. I'll add the stock in their 170s. Um, the target of the whole portfolio in terms of sizing of my Alibaba position is now it's about 3%. I'll uh, size it up till 5% if it stays within the 170s, 80s range. I think it's a really good price. And with time goes, I think um, the main team will prove that these businesses will efficiently return capital over time. And this is a good time where they're investing. And I think you should join the journey. So that's where I stand on Alibaba. Um, big beat on the top line in terms of reduced internal expectations. The sales could do it amazing. Bottom line suffered on the core business as well as the other businesses. But I told you the reasoning, the vision the team has. And if you're going along with them, I think there's a good reason to believe that the way Alibaba stock would be looked at would be different in this coming times than it has been in the past. And that would take some time where the stock is being pressured, but that means it's a good time to buy in. So that was about Alibaba. And the next segment, we'll talk about Tencent. So now let's talk about Tencent. The reaction to the stock of Tencent after the earnings was very different from Alibaba. It was pretty unidirectional. The stock fell about 10% right after the earnings were announced, started 6% down, went towards like 8 9%. Eventually it recovered and now it's like slightly wherever it was before the earnings release. But you can, without a confusion in your mind, tell that the earnings was not taken positively. And nobody was really happy about it. Uh, so what happened? Let's look at it. There was two things uh, on the very top on of the news item that would be pretty making it clear what happened. First of all, the uh, revenues grew 30%, which was the slowest expansion in like the last three years. The company had been increasing its rate of growth, and now suddenly it's pulled back to 30%. 30% still a pretty, pretty healthy growth rate. But looking at... Um, recent competition and the recent growth rate and acceleration, this is quite a bit of mindset shift to come along and across. And the second thing was the profits fell 2%. So this was the first time the profit dropped at Tencent in like 10 years. So if you combine the two, the the headlines were not at all good. It was like the growth was slowing down and the net profit was dropping for the first time in 10 years. What what happened? Are we like peak 10 cent or something? So that was the worry. The stock fell about 9% and that's how the market rated it. Now let's go now into a little bit more detail to figure out what happened. So on the whole, the revenue grew 30% and if you divide it into the way the company divides it, um, the the value-added services part, which includes the social networks and online gaming, increased by 14%. Again, dramatic slowdown. We'll get into this in a while. First, let me address the other segments. Online advertising segment increased 39%, and the other segment, which is a bunch of growing businesses, Tencent Music could be one, which is nearing an IPO, for example. So the other segment grew 81%. And on a total... Gross, uh, sorry, gross profit grew 22% and net profit was slightly down, down by 2%. So let's address the biggest, like the gorilla in the room, the value-added services, which has been the biggest part of Tencent. Why did it go just 14% and quarter-on-quarter declined? So if you look at that, it uh, it is consisting of two parts, social networks and online games. And if you have uh, already done some work on this, you would know the culprit is the online games. So social networks 
they grew 20% year on year, but the online games just grew barely 6%. And the whole story of the quarter was the slowdown in games. And not necessarily slowdown in terms of less people using it or their games not being successful, but the biggest slowdown, the reason behind the slowdown was that they... Um, the Chinese government has stopped approving new games for monetization starting this April. So this actually also came to me as the news, and the stock was dropping for quite a while, so probably some people knew it. Probably someone knew it, but um, given where we are and the information we have in the public markets, uh, it came to me as a surprise as well. Like, hey, I could have like stopped buying if I knew that the new approvals have stopped since April. I could have waited a bit because I could have waited till the new, um, like the ministry is undergoing a change. So I could have waited till the new person comes in and see what happens. So that was the reason, actually. Uh, they didn't give in a very upbeat picture of the stance on where the government is. So maybe the current quarter will also be affected. Uh, the new games have still yet not started to get approved. We don't know that when that will happen. The risk here is that the Chinese government has been from like since some time has been talking about the risks of addiction to gaming and video gaming and how that affects the culture and the society. And maybe like the risk here is that maybe the new person coming in or the new ministry coming in could be adverse to this and they have much more controls and clamps on what video games one could monetize. And that is a real risk to which I have actually no answer for. But on the other side, uh, I think a similar story happened in 2009, and it eventually started again. I mean, on a whole, Tencent people are, like, Tencent and Alibaba are two of the, two of the largest companies in China. So they're pretty close, hand-in-hand with the government officials. Like, they should have an upper hand in terms of knowing what they're up to. And even if the government wants to make some change, they should, over time, figure it out. And, uh, for example, they should already know what kind of direction the government wants to take and should be building those kind of games that can be monetized so they're smart people they're in line with the government i don't see like i don't know how ethically right everything is but um on the positive side i can see that they should have enough information to know uh, or know how of the people in the administration of where this is going and they should be they're like the best people in town if you want to bet on it that's what i'm saying but um and if you look at it on the games business, we're talking about the games business before we move along because it's very important. So I reviewed the stock about three years earlier, and I, the way I decided was that I did not... I liked Alibaba more than Tencent because the huge part of Tencent's growth was online gaming, which is video gaming, um, online gaming, and mobile gaming. So... Uh, that's why I stayed away from the stock actually for a long time because I thought that was much volatile. Like, how do I know? I'm like not, not a great person at uh, evaluating the games industry and which games are better than the others. So I thought about staying away. Of course, that wasn't a good decision at all. Like, the company used continued to grow and for a long time and continued to be a leader. But that was initially the risk factor to me that I did not really want to own an online games company. But the good thing is, over the time, the reliance on the gaming has been decreasing as the other businesses have been growing and they have started to monetize the social networks now. So the online games, for example, was 59% of their whole revenue in like the first quarter of 2015. And through the transition over time, now it's like barely 34%. So it's one third of the business in terms of revenues. So 
it is very important and still the largest part of the business but it's not as important as it once was i mean it's still important but not the dominant category driver and the social networks have been continued to about like one fourth of the business so it's about 23 24% now and the online advertising business has been growing now and it was 12% in the start of 2015 now it's about 19% the biggest growth has been in the other businesses which was 5% then now it's about 24% so the Tencent story is changing what Tencent was and is is changing uh it was primarily an online games and social company now um if you look at it now it is the number one company in online games like continues to be and it was and it continues to be not only in china but globally by revenue but at the same time it's also the number one company in terms of um owning a social network which has maus we'll talk about now as we move across from gaming we'll talk about that in a bit which has maus over a billion dollars uh monthly active users and then it, it's it's the number one company in by the active subscribers in video it is the number one news company by the monthly active users in china it is the number one music services platform the tencent music we talked about in china it is number one online content library uh and publishing platform through its literature origin a uh, company that it owns a primary stake in it is number 1 in monthly active and daily users in mobile payment it is number 1 in the app store because they use their wechat app to do the app installations versus like how play store is in um or ios store is in apple store is in us they're also number 1 by monthly active users mobile security mobile browser so many other businesses now they're number 1 um so this was a point i'm making that how they're diversifying away from games games is a big risk right now it could go away with time as in the risk could go away with time but they have diversified well enough that this is not the leading story and this was one of the reasons i got into that uh, i started my positions after losing out on a lot of gains was because they were diversifying and well and the new businesses they were getting into had much more moat uh, i was always uh, fascinated by their social uh, platform with wechat which had a lot of moat around it and i think this is a right point to move along from games and talk about talk about wechat so uh, i think from the prior to prior episode we talked about in a little bit more detail about what wechat is how that's the instant messaging platform like whatsapp but it has like all a lot of bunch of services integrated into it a different apps and actions uh, integrated into it so please go on and listen to that episode i hope that's helpful but let's come back now to see what the progress is in this in this quarter So the monthly active users at WeChat continued to grow uh it rose nearly 10% now to 1.06 billion people and the engagement is growing faster than the number of users so daily active users grew faster than the monthly active users that means that people more people are signing up and more people are coming to the app more often than before and um that is really good so they're they're number of user base is growing their engagement is growing at the same time the monetization has just started so if you look at what they said about how often they're showing ads in the feed in the moments feed for example in the app they're showing now two ads a day which is like if you compare it to how it is in facebook and instagram in us they've just barely started and um i feel they have a long way to go and they're doing it the right way to not affect the user experience but over time they would um continue to increase that so if we look at the biggest segment the online gaming is being less important over time and may have hurdles that to cross through but hopefully they will and if they won't actually the whole 
like online games industry would kind of go away then i guess which is very difficult to believe but what i'm saying is if online games industry stays i think these are the best guys in the team to in the country to uh, bank on and they would have they already have a lot of games they have the PUBG the PUBG games which are the Fortnite battle royale kind of games which they're yet to monetize um but they're getting increasing attention and as we have known from Fortnite they're getting increasing attention from the gamers from the active watchers of the games so attention and the importance and their leadership in the games industry is continuing to leverage and increase like never before and it's just about the monetization that has to start again and i believe they're doing all the right things in terms of moving ahead in the online games industry and unless you believe the whole chinese online games industry would go away which might who knows i'm not saying like oh look at this may never happen but chances are less and if you have to bank on someone i think you should bank on them again i'm not banking on the whole company because of it because of online games but um it's still a growth industry and over time if monetization would figure out then the one third part of the business which was a big reason of a lot of growth in last some years would continue to grow as well as the social networks which i'm very positive about and online advertising which includes advertising on the media and social networks would continue to grow and other businesses would continue to grow their um other businesses one note about that is the like the last 2 years 20 of their sorry 12 of their portfolio companies have gone public and they've all done pretty well and um that's pretty exciting they have stakes in many companies which are said to be like up and coming for example if you've seen what companies are doing great on the markets um pinduo duo billy billy huya like the live huya is a live um streaming platform for sports all of these companies are doing well uh, tencent has about 20% stake 18.5% stake in pinduo duo about one third stake in huya and um 5% stake in a bunch of other companies so the whole portfolio continues to grow and increasingly the other parts of the business make sense and in and being relevant in the whole picture whereas as we broke it apart online games is now facing a hurdle which might be good going further but as we see the opportunities unlock so that is how the review was of the quarter of they had uh pretty much low down on a cliff hanger in online games uh, social networks engagement continues to grow and their leadership continues to grow and uh, now coming back again like we did with alibaba uh, i think this again needs a mind sh- mindset shift so this company which was valued at 25 times before now it's valued at like 27 times uh now forward earning so it still continues to be like now the last 3 months make sense like someone who had this information of the online scams approval stalling can see why the stock was not going up but and it continues to be like it, it's not getting any cheaper because the profit are kind of stagnated not like stagnated but it needs a boost now to go up so it makes sense now and i don't i don't think it was it's now as appealing as it was at 45 before but the big cliffhanger is when would this government start approving games again again i don't know the answer and as far as they start approving it again it's just like some months of lost revenue that's not a problem at all big problem big risk which is added now is if the new administration never starts to approve games again which would be like kind of closure or pause to the entire online games industry unless that happens 
I think this would be someone's of lost revenue and they'll come back again. So I wanted to add some more stake in Tencent, but after this quarter I've paused. I don't think this deserves the stock to fall because it's a temporary uh, setback. But if you don't own Tencent, this is a great point to add. I didn't add more because I already had about 3% of the portfolio and I now want to wait a little bit till I hear about the approvals getting started again. Even if the stock is a little bit up from now, I'll start adding more again then with the aim of, let's say, 5% of the portfolio. So I'm sticking around. No reason to panic unless, as I said, the online games industry goes away or something. Um, but with the what we've seen in the past and with what we know as the long track record of Tencent um, management team and their involvement with the government and various initiatives um, and the government wanting a lot of data on their public, I guess Tencent would continue to stay important. And I'm suggesting to add position now if you're not already in it. So this was about Tencent. And the last segment will just conclude everything really quick. Thank you. So thank you for listening to this episode, and I hope I gave you enough information about the two biggest companies that we're watching in the whole series of the Chinese um, investment opportunities. If you would like to know more, definitely uh, go back like a couple episodes to look at how to invest in China episode, and I hope it gives you a big, like a big picture of every tech landscape trends and the biggest opportunities out there. Again, reviewing this episode. I would say the big fear that was taken off the table, kind of, for now, is that the Chinese consumer is not slowing down. The macro is all right. The internal demand is still strong, and the engagement is still growing. Both the platforms are continuing to evolve, but at the same time grow very fast from the scale they're already at. So those are all the good things. But clearly, none of the reports were perfect. And I would say, while they're both trying to evolve into something better in the long run, the short term is far from hurdles like far from absent uh, of hurdles so this quarter kind of added risk factors into both the businesses in case of alibaba of the new initiatives being not so profitable because they're investing more and more into it more than people thought initially and in case of tencent of let's say the game approvals not getting started till quite a long time so it might be tomorrow it might be next year who knows you can never tell and that's the risk so both have a little bit more risk factor added now and hopefully just the short-term setbacks. But once it gets started again, for example, once you see the game approval starting and picking up again, Tencent stock would just take away. It would rush. You can't like time the markets all the time. So this uh, may be a good opportunity to get in. If you're not already in, it's definitely a good opportunity to get in. In terms of Alibaba, they might um, turn around the cloud business, for example. They've been growing it so fast. Maybe like they may have an Amazon moment where they might turn around the AWS profitability and like uh, Amazon AWS was always profitable. But what I'm saying is their cloud business might be a driver for profits uh, versus a drain right now. And their core commerce might be growing into a concept used for different countries. So there's opportunities here in the long run. And if you believe in the both management teams, then you can take the bet. Personally, I do. They're both one of the smartest uh, teams I've seen, especially Alibaba's, how driven they are and how experienced they are and the leadership of Jack Ma. 
I really believe in them. So if you believe them in them, this is a both have so, uh, setbacks in the short term, but an opportunity that lies ahead. And the real challenge is both need to be valued of different mindset now from the markets. Um, Alibaba needs to be more valued in terms of opportunity versus bottom line growth and forward EPS, uh, forward PE in the short run. Tencent needs to be like crossing over that barrier of the game Super Bowl. But on the whole, um, I'm holding steady with my 3% holdings in each and going up to 5 But if you're not invested in any of those, I would suggest this is a really good time to start a position in both of them. And that is my conclusion. If you have any other questions about any other companies we covered in the last chapter, uh, last last podcast episode, if you have questions about any other quarters or earnings reviews uh, you'd like me to do of any other Chinese company or U.S. company, just drop me a comment and let me know of any social media platform I'm at. And thank you for listening. Again, this podcast does not support any advertisements, so it's all word of mouth, and it's all about helping anyone who I can help with with whatever information I have. So the best thing you can do is, if you like it, if you think it's helpful, share it with your network and share it with someone who appreciates the information or would like to know anything about it. And any questions you have uh, from investing to stocks to any investment opportunities, definitely leave a comment on what you'd like me to do an episode on, on um, any social platform and the podcast called The Sunny Point Podcast, Sunny Point Investing, whichever podcast medium you listen on. Definitely leave a good review if you like the episode. And until then, um, keep investing. See you. Bye.